the point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag glue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holik to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, uh, welcome to Liberty Blue, the best Rangers podcast in town. I'm Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis. We scream about the Rangers so that you don't have to. This is episode 68, live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, and we're available wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts as well. We are rolling through division previews. As a reminder, we'll do a Rangers-specific one closer to the season. We did the Pacific, we did the Central, and now we're going to do the Atlantic here. But before we do that, Nick... Before we do that, we have waited over seven months for football. We finally got football back, only for the New York football giants to show up at home with the Rangers in attendance, by the way, only to get absolutely dumpstered 40 to nothing to the Dallas Cowboys. You have the floor. Um, first of all, the New York Giants did not show up. You said the New York Giants showed up. They were last physically night to there. Play. Physically, they were in at- the building. That that and that's even being generous. Like technically speaking, yes, there were bodies in front of the Cowboys' defensive linemen who were rushing, but they didn't actually do anything while they were standing there. And yes, the Rangers being there, losing is contagious. I, I was texting back and forth with Fitz during the game. As soon as he, as soon as both of us saw that, we started texting each other. The Rangers' bad vibes carry over. It's great the Rangers are having a great off season. It's great Jacob True was painting. It's great that the Rangers got a box at the Giant game. Until the team starts winning, it's corny. I I hate to be the boomer boomer Facebook type guy where it's like, worry about the team, worry about winning, don't have a life. You got embarrassed the last time you were in public. I'm glad everybody's having fun this summer. I'm glad Lafreniere owns a Pop Smoke shirt. That's great. I'd like to win some hockey games. Uh, that, that's what it's about. And the Giants, I recorded the Giants podcast. I got to edit that as soon as we're done with this. All I'll say is they didn't, they didn't belong on the same field as the Cowboys last night. They got punched in the mouth, knocked unconscious, and then the Cowboys beat the shit out of their unconscious body for three more quarters. It's not like in boxing where they stop the fight when the other guy might be dead. The Giants had to fight the last 11 rounds of a boxing match as a dead body, and it did not go well. They got absolutely obliterated. But the Jets play tonight. In theory, this is a decent game, so a little more football. Hold us over till Thursday. Really rough game to sit through. It was raining for most of the game, but in sicko fashion, I don't leave. You were there. Like you, you, you were there in person to watch that atrocity, huh? I didn't even get to see a fight in the stands, which is what I was hoping for. Because <laughs> after the Cowboys blocked that kick and ran it back for a touchdown, the Giants fans who were in the first row of my section who were being obnoxious yelling at the Cowboys fans all sat down. And the Cowboys fans all stood up and started yelling at them. So I was like, okay, at least I'll get to be on Larry, I'll get to be on Jerry Springer this week, at least. But I didn't even get a fight in my section. The, pe- the most competitive thing I saw last night was the people trying to serve everybody at the concession stands as fast as humanly possible there. During halftime, those were the most competitive people on the field at Giant Stadium yesterday. Does Springer still have a show? I think Jerry Springer died like a month or two ago, to be honest with you. But that was the first thing that came to mind when people when I think of trash fights in public. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to how to come off of that. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I it's funny too because every 
national TV game yesterday was a dumpster fire. Yeah, every they were all, bad. all all the games were just trash cans. The the Eagles Patriots game got close towards the end. Yes, but like every other game was like, hey, here's here's an NFL team against like the the local middle schoolers that are just here to have a good time. Let's see what happens. I just I re- but but because yesterday's games were so bad. I feel like today's marquee matchup has to be the best game of the season. Has to be because of just the duality of man that society brings us. I raise you the counterpoint to that. I I put up those famous last words, the ones you just said, because this game features the New York Jets. I put those up there with, I'm going to go to the theater tonight by Abraham Lincoln and drop the top Jackie, let's flex a little bit from John (laughs) F. Kennedy. Anytime you are saying the Jets... And good things Ugh. in a national spotlight with the entire country watching. I, I, famous last words. That's, that's Aaron Rodgers has talked too much in this offseason to lay an egg today. To, today. He's, he's talked too much. Like we just said with the Rangers. The Rangers are having a grand old time this offseason talking. Everybody, everything's Painting. Fine. Painting, yeah, it's great. It, it, it's great, Jake. Maybe work on your game a little bit. I, I hate to be full boomer, but you yeah. were dog shit in the playoffs. It's great you do charity work, but worry about hockey before. Let's master hockey before we start doing other activities on the side. I I, I hate to bring up that tweet that's that was about making some all game. those yeah. years ago. It's like work like you know you're dropping some sick beats, kid, or whatever the tweet was. But work on your game. It's like listen, troops. I love that you're painting. I love that you have hobbies. My brother, can we get some slap shots on the point that hit the net? Like, please, please. Like, uh, can we start there? Can we just can we just practice? Let's the, master the, our that day shot job from the point. Picking up hobbies. I just you know I just want to see those shots not hit the somebody in the fifth row. Like that's all I want. Please. And I- and I can understand that this is like a, this is a ridiculous take, and I fully admit this is a ridiculous take. These are people they have jo- they have hobbies of outside of their work, but it rubs me the wrong way that everybody's like, "This is great. We're a team. We have fun." You guys got embarrassed the last time you were in public. I'd have a little more shame than that. But let's get into talking actual hockey now. Absolutely. So, well, like, also, also, it's funny because they got embarrassed in Game Seven, only to yes. then go to a Giants game to watch them get, get embarrassed. So ho ho. Losing is how, contagious. How the how the tables have turned, how the turntables. Losing is contagious. First up in the Atlantic Division, which looks a lot less good than last year, frankly. Like yeah. last year might have been the peak of the Atlantic Division, frankly. You have four really good teams. One of the teams from this division went to the Stanley Cup final last year. We are starting off with the still rebuilding Montreal Canadiens. They went 31, 45, and 6 last year for 68 standings points. Their over-under total is 71 and a half. Caulfield only played 46 games. Kirby Dock only 58. Marty St. Louis still doing the perpetual positivity thing, which I actually like from a coach on a rebuilding team, as opposed to forcing guys like Mike Matheson and Jeff Petrie into top six role, into top pair minutes roles. They're letting their young guys take their lumps. I mean, I was reading something in The Athletic today about Uri Slavkovsky, where Marty St. Louis said, as long as he's touching the puck, I don't care what he does with it, because that means he was in the right position to get to the puck. 
So eventually, the more he touches the puck, the more confident he's going to get, and the more the better I feel about his game because he's more involved. Just the polar opposite of what we've seen from some of these other organizations when it comes to handling young players. Their offseason, they drafted a defenseman, David Reinbacker, fifth overall. They got a lot of heat for that from their fan base in particular. They got Alex Newhook from the, Mont- um, the Colorado Avalanche in what was a salary dump for the Avalanche. They got Sean Monahan back on a short-term deal. They got Casey DeSmith in that trade from Pittsburgh. And they may or may not have Lane Houston uh, Hudson called up from BU at some point whenever the college hockey season ends this year. This team is still very far away. Uh, Slavkovsky might not even make the team out of training camp. They have a lot of guys. like Which would be th- insane, by the way. Which, if he doesn't make the team. It, yeah. it would be insane given how controversial at the time the pick was of, you know, the Canadians took the took the leap. They're like, okay, we believe in this guy so much, we're going to take this guy over a lot of the other names that are potentially rumored to go to be going to Montreal. They 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 went all in. He didn't he hasn't really been all that he, terrific since He then. didn't look ready for the NHL last year. He looked like Kako as a rookie where yeah, he was just he was right. too slow and he was out of his depth. He didn't look ready for the NHL. I am very interested to see how Slavkovsky turns around this season because if he if he worked like if he put in a full off season of hey I was too slow I was too this I was too that let me work on that if if he does that he shows up this season and he's going to be an NHLer if he didn't do that we have problems because this team realistically you know very much still in the early stages of a rebuild here suzuki's a good player kirby Doc's a, bo- a legit nhler caulfield will be a 30 goal guy pretty consistently new hook never really reached his ceiling in colorado this team has a lot of guys where if they become available at the deadline someone like a josh anderson a christian dvorak a brendan gallagher even they could get decent returns for those types of guys even a sean monahan to a contending team to be a third or fourth liner he has some value but Montreal has basically no good defenseman like I'm looking at this step chart now their best defenseman is probably Michael Matheson who's only offense and doesn't actually play defense and then their goaltending situation Carey Price isn't going to play hockey again uh Sam Montembeau was decent all things considered last year he had pretty good goals hit the above expected numbers but Montreal is not going to be a good team 71 is a low number there's a world in which I see them going over that but more than likely they're picking in the top five of the draft again next year I also like Jake Allen for what it's he's worth. A solid like player. I think I think for what he's been tasked to do, which is a monumental task of trying to play goalie for a team that's essentially trying to lose, is not an easy job for a goaltender to do. And Jake Allen for by all accounts did the best that he could. Yeah, this team is bad, but like that's not a surprise. We knew this team was going to be bad. They, pro- they probably will be bad again next season. And then maybe two years down the line, the Canadians will start winning some games. I do think 71 is kind of low given how high the ceiling is for a lot of these guys. Caulfield, Suzuki, Doc. Like, if they stay healthy, this team could reach maybe 78, 79 yeah. points. I, I, I can I can totally see a world in which they don't make the they won't make the playoffs, but they might be a little bit closer to that line than people think that they could. But that very much hinges on can the top guys be healthy? Because if they miss even seven, eight, nine games, it's over. It's over. It, the whole season's over. But if they, you know, if they hop on the ice for 80, 81 games, then maybe maybe they get a little bit closer. 
that's the thing here. You, you just want to see the younger guys keep getting better. Your draft picks start to make it to the NHL, go upwards from whatever lower tier you're playing at, whether it's the AHL, NCAA, or Europe. You want those guys to start slowly making their way. You need Slavkovsky to play 75, 80 games and look comfortable. Like, we talk about the jump that Kako made year one to year two to year three to year four, where now Kako's a bona fide top six NHL forward. It's just a matter of if he's ever going to put up the counting stats or not. You need that type of jump, because Slavkovsky just wasn't ready for the NHL last year, but the NHL has the stupid rules with the AHL where you can't be a certain age, and you if you're o- under 21, you have to play in junior hockey, but the Canadians didn't want Slavkovsky playing in Europe, so same kind of issue the Rangers had with Kaka, where he clearly wasn't ready for the NHL, but he wasn't eligible to play in the AHL, so that's something to keep an eye on if he makes the team at a training camp or not. It's a team that has a long way to go, but I like what their thought process is with their oh, yeah. young guys. It's it's something that the Rangers should have done a few years ago. Of like, hey, these are these are the the, the top young guys on this team. Give them 35 minutes of ice time a game. It doesn't matter. Give them as much ice time, as much top six leeway as you could possibly give players that are you know are even slightly capable of playing in those roles just let them go because the 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 winning the you're not going to win the cup this season you're probably not going to make the playoffs this season just let them go because that is how young players learn the best to have to be a prime time nhler especially these big names that have a lot of pressure on them to succeed at the nhl level if you really want them to learn on the fly and learn quickly the best way to do that is say hey you're on the first line no expectations just go out there and learn because you're go they're going to make mistakes but the best way to learn is to make those mistakes so that the next time you don't do that again yeah so next up on our list is a team that like montreal has been in a rebuilding stage for a long time but detroit Went 35, 37, and 10 last year, 80 standings points. Their over-under is 86 and a half. The only question I have is, what exactly is the Iser plan at this point? Because they keep just sinking money into these guys who are solid NHL players. Like, David Perron's a legit player. Andrew Kopp is a pretty good player. They gave Dylan Larkin that long-term extension. They've been doing the goalie carousel thing for a while now, where they've brought in a couple different pieces to try and make that work. But they haven't picked high enough in a draft to get a transformational talent. Like, Mo Sider is a good defenseman. Lucas Raymond is a good forward. But it's just, it hasn't been enough. They traded Philip Ronick, who looks to be a pretty solid NHL defenseman. And they traded for Debrinkit. That's decent. He did not have a great season in Ottawa last year, but you assume you can do a little bit more with him if you're playing him with Larkin. They brought in another bunch of guys. They brought in James Reimer. They brought in Justin Hull, Daniel Sprong, JT Confer, Shane Goss Despair, former Ranger Tim Gettinger, Christian Fisher, and they got Jeff Petrie in the uh, three-way trade with Pittsburgh and San Jose. Uh, They are okay. This team has not a lot of room. You know how we were just talking about Montreal has a lot of room to go over their number because there are guys who might be able to perform higher than what they've done in the past. This is effectively the team. Like, there isn't a whole lot you can expect for massive leaps from any of these guys. Maybe Sider can get closer to the Norris conversation. He puts up 65, 70 points as a defenseman. That's really it. I I, I don't see any real path to Detroit making the playoffs barring something completely unforeseen. This is such a strangely built roster because, yeah. like, the contracts that Iserman handed out and he acquired and all these things 
would lead you to believe that this is that that the cup window has been opened. Yes. And here we are competing for a title. But then you look at the roster and you say this is the this is the team that's going to win the Stanley Cup. This is it. They they have some good they have some good players. I'm not, you know, I'm not talking negatively. Like Dylan Larkin's a great player. Alex Debrinket who by I mean, I don't know what happened in Ottawa, but he's a should be a really good player all around. Lucas Raymond should be better than he was a season ago. They have they have good players on the team, but are is anyone picking the Red Wings to win the Stanley Cup this season? The answer is a big fat no. no. I mean, even if they get John, if even if they get Gibson, even if they get Connor Hellebuck, which I don't, I don't like. I, who knows what what those two teams are are doing with anything right now? It's it's September 11th, and we ha- still have not a single clue of what is happening with either of those teams. Like, this is a strange team where they're not they're they're in that you know how it used to be the one to 15 and the top eight were to make the playoffs. Like they yes. are in that nine to 12 hole of not bad enough to really flail out and get a top pick, but they're also not good enough to really either make the playoffs or, you know, do anything of note. They're in that nine to 12 hole of like, they're not bad. They're not good. They're stuck in this weird kind of in between and I don't really know what the plan is for Meiserman because, like, again, there's good players on this roster, and I see where potentially he was trying to go with it. But at the same time, like, this is not a scary team to me. If I'm playing this team, if I'm, you know, if I'm, you know, insert, like, if I'm the Minnesota Wild, for example, and I'm playing the Red Wings, I'm not. I feel okay about it. I'm not, yeah, like, I'm not too, I'm not too afraid of of playing them, you know, like if I'm if I'm the Dallas Stars and I have to like let's just pretend that the Stars and the Red Wings are back in the same conference again. Like if they were to play a best of seven, I'm not afraid of this team. Like this is this is not this is not a collection of individuals that I'm afraid to play at any given moment in time right now. And I don't really understand what the end goal for Steve Eiserman is this season. I'd love to ask him like what his expectations are for the 2022-24 season because I kind of don't know. So the one last point I'll make on Detroit before we move on. I can tie this back to the Rangers in the same sense that they have prioritized trying to remain competitive during their rebuild. They have tried to bring in veterans under the guise of these are experienced players. We don't want our young guys coming onto a team with no talent where they can't really have, they don't have any opportunities to succeed. But the problem with that mindset is the Red Wings have spent a lot of money and they're not getting value back on what they've spent on guys like Cop, guys like Perron. Ben Sherratt, who they signed last summer, they're not getting the value they've sunk into those guys. And you've you've handicapped your ability to grow. Because at the very least, what Montreal is doing, where they're giving these young guys the opportunity to sink or swim, they've given their young guys room where if they play better than they're expecting, they continue growing, you know, on that ascending pattern, how talent develops. You say, okay, we can do something with this. But like Ben Sherratt, Jeff Petrie, Justin Hole, Gostas Bear, Jake Wolman, those types of guys, they're not really going to get better. Andrew Kopp, Daniel Sprong, David Perron, JT Comfer, those types of guys are, that is who they are those guys are in their late 20s or early 30s they are who they are and there isn't room 
to improve. That is the issue. And to your point, they sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. It's cool, great. You get three playoff home games if you get to a game seven. But they're going to be playing the Devils, the Hurricanes, the Lightning, or the Leafs in round one. And they would be a steep underdog in any series against any of those teams. If I'm the Devils, I would love to play the Red Wings in round one. Like, it's just... Yes. This is a... You'd be out of there in five games. Yeah, like, this is a team as currently constructed that just doesn't scream to me, hey, we're... We can can win against a good... Like, we can surprise teams in the playoffs. This is a team that, like, if they make it, it's it's a successful season for them, which I just... That's, That's not, not where, where you want to be. be with the roster that you have. It's a very strange yes. conglomerate. Yes. Next on up, a team that made a real effort last year. The Ottawa Senators made a decent improvement last year. They took some gambles. You know, they traded for Debrinket prior to last season. They traded for Jacob Chikrin in season. They went 39-35 and 86 standings points. They missed uh, the playoffs by six points. They were the second-to-last team out behind the Panthers, who were the last team in. Over-under this year is 91.5. This is a decently talented group. They were okay last year. The issues, of course, they weren't great defensively in terms of structure because they have good individual defensemen in terms of talent. Their goaltending, again, was pretty bad to outright just just terrible. They've tried to address that this year. They signed Jonas Corposalo, who was not particularly good last year. They signed Eric Branstrom. They brought Hamnick back. They brought in Kubalik and Tarasenko to be depth scoring, which both those guys should be able to give you 15, 20 goals, no issue. And then Zach McEwen, because you need a big guy every now and then to punch people when you're a bad team. Uh, Ottawa is what they are. Uh, there, There is a little room for them in a way there isn't for Detroit when you look at their lineup where some of these guys are still on that upward descent. We all had a, a long discussion about what they did with the Jake Sanderson contract last week, which really big gamble for somebody with, you know, 75, 80 games of NHL experience and doesn't really have a path to significant power play points, which is kind of the issue when you start paying defensemen a lot of money, where if you're paying a defenseman seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars a year, they got to be your power play quarterback because they need to put up the counting stats to justify that contract. But Jake Sanderson doesn't have a path to that because Shabbat and um, um, Chikrin are ahead of him on the depth chart, which Jake Sanderson is probably going to be a pretty solid NHL defenseman, but he's never going to be worth that seven and a half, eight million dollars they're giving him because he doesn't put up the counting stats. And when you're a defenseman and you're getting paid that much and you're not putting up the counting stats, your defense is never going to be worth as much as points would be. This is a team that I like a little bit more than Detroit. The only problem that I, the, the, the biggest, biggest glaring issues are goaltending. And if they got a goaltender that could stop pucks, I would probably pencil them in as a surefire playoff team. But because like Jonas Corposalo, I understand Columbus was an atrocity, but like he didn't help. He no. was not the like he was not the, the driving force for them being close or them like you know stealing wins. He was bad. He was bad, bad in Columbus. So and I like to a certain extent, yeah, that doesn't it's not helped by the team being a, a dumpster fire. But, like, it, the the goalie on a bad team, like, if you're able to steal five wins that sh- you, you, your team shouldn't be winning because they're bad in front of you, but you're so good that you, you're able to 
to just snatch def snatch victory from from the jaws of defeat. Like that's that's a goalie that can really help uh, a team go from you know eighty eight points, let's say, to, to ninety six or ninety seven. Like that's that's the jump that the center, that the Ottawa Senators needed. Instead, they got a goalie and they paid a lot of money to this goalie who was awful awful in columbus the team was bad but he was equally as atrocious and it is very interesting to me how he plays in ottawa i am very curious to see how that goes because and again maybe he plays better with a with an actual nhl team in front of him maybe he maybe his confidence builds and he can start you know picking up the pace and by all accounts i hope he does that because ottawa on paper at least is you know, is a team that could do some damage come playoff time. Like they have, they have the the offense to be able to do it. I like their their blue line a little bit. I don't like Artem Zuba a lot. I don't like Travis Hamonic, but they do have, a, uh, you know, some good pieces in their top nine that could maybe offset that a little bit. I like their team to a certain extent. Their goaltending is a massive issue, and Zach McEwen is a guy. So I'll add, I'll add two things to that. Number one. Corvusalo did get a little bit better when he went from Columbus to L.A. So, you know, better environment, a little bit less responsibility. L.A. is a pretty well-structured team defensively. They don't concede a ton. They make their goalie's life easier. He started 11 games for L.A. He had six goals saved above expected in those 11 games. So, decent jump in production once he got over there. But this is an upside gamble. This is an upside gamble. Ottawa did the other end of it last year where they tried to play it safe and say, we'll take Cam Talbot and pray for 9.05, and that just didn't work out for them last year. But they have room to be a dangerous team. Brady Kachuk is one of the better power forwards in the NHL. Claude Giroux was still pretty solid last year, shifting from center to wing. Stutzla is the best forward from that draft class so far, at least, and looks to be a bona fide first-line center. The only other thing that really Ottawa, we should probably briefly mention, is that they may or may not have issues with the Canada investigation that's going on, because they've had a few players who were on that team who have been alleged to have been involved in that situation so if the nhl ever comes if that if that investigation ever actually gets to a conclusion point they may have to grapple with oh we have lost two players from our top six and your entire season is vastly different i need this investigation to say something because they've been investigating yes. for for a very long time now and a year they've been now. they've been like teasing results which yes. that brother that's brother bad. that's either that tell us what you know because this is not nhl insiders teasing a trade this is you yes. know these, this is a criminal investigation either tell us what you know or don't say anything why are you you're Correct. like you're teasing this as if it's like you know Hey, coming, coming back from break. I'll be. T I'll tell you what's going. Like it's no, bro. You, you, like, this is. This is. This is. These are serious issues. You gotta say it or don't. You can't. You can't NHL insiders a criminal investigation. Let's get serious here. It's it's one of the real issues with the contentification of journalism that's happened in the last five years. Where now everybody doesn't just want to be a journalist; they want to be a personality. So they need to keep people invested in their doings on social media. Where even if they don't have news to report, they'll tweet the eye emojis and 
ooh or just unqu they'll just tweet a series of emojis as if they were a clue or a cipher to try and interpret and it's just kind of gross because like you know this is a criminal investigation like something egregious like that like the, the, one of the worst things that can possibly happen to someone happened here and it's just being treated as we'll see what happens with the ottawa senators yeah it it their season hinges on goaltending and this investigation like if yes if the investigation doesn't put anybody on the senators you know away and corpusalo plays well this is a team that makes the playoffs if corpusalo plays poorly and a lot, you know some of the some of the players are in this you know are, are part of this criminal investigation that they and they go down and this and that like their season could go down to flames before before it even started and like i but like i need this investigation to to like can we what what's going on what is happening in this like can we i i want to know at least like who could potentially be involved because this the senators would like to know maybe, maybe they do and may I, I don't know but you know, this is not just like this is not bob mckenzie you know saying that hey like this guy could be traded like these like this is this is life stuff forget yes. hockey for a second like this is major major life stuff that i would like to know more details on before you know, figuring out where the Senators are going to be. Exactly, exactly. Next up in this preview, we have got the Buffalo Sabres, who were a pleasant surprise last year. They were fun to watch. They weren't an amazing team. They got closer last year. 42, 33, and 7, 91 standings points, over under 92 and a half this year. They finished third in the entire league in goals last year. Really, really explosive offensive team. Two back-ended guys in Owen Power and Rasmus Dalene who were strong play drivers from the back end. Tage really exploded last year, 47 goals, one of the league leaders. Really good secondary scoring years from guys like Dylan Cousins, Victor Olofsson, and Jack Quinn. Uh, the defense, other than Power and um, Dalene, still, you know, they need a little bit more back there. The goaltending last year was not great. Uko Pekalainen and Craig Anderson did their best. Craig Anderson, you know, is like 54 years old and still got like 15 starts last year. Pekalainen tried his best. Uh, they should, in theory, have Pekka Lukanen. Pekka Lukanen, yeah. I don't know what the what the hell I just said. Pekka, <laughs> I just said Pekka Rene. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, Uko, my Uko Pekka Lukanen. Uko Pekalukanen, yes. Say him, that say that five times fast at 3 a.m. with the lights I will, off. I will not be doing that. Uh, <laughs> they hope, they're hoping that Devin Levy, who was great last year for Northeastern, really good college goalie, can come in. But if Devin Levy hits, you run into the conundrum we talked about with the Pacific Division, where you talk about guys like Phoenix Copley and Stuart Skinner, who've never started more than 20, 30 games in a season. If Dev Devin Levy hits right away and... He's at 45 games in February, and the Sabres are pretty close to a playoff spot or in a playoff spot. They're going to keep riding him, and you really run the risk of burning your young goalie out before you get to the playoffs. But the Sabres have a really good chance this year to be a playoff team. I think they will make the playoffs. I like the Buffalo shot. Sabres a lot, and I, I think that they make it and Boston doesn't. Like this is a this is a team that was knocking on the door last season, and if they had better goaltending, that they probably would have made it. Uh, I think Devin Levy provides that for them. I really really like Devin Levy's game. Haven't watched a lot of it. Again, I don't I don't watch college hockey. I don't have the time for it, the energy for it. Uh, it's not it's not what I'm into. But from what I've seen from him at the NHL level, I like the way he reads the play. I like his athleticism. I like the way that he sees the game of hockey 
in the blue paint. I really like Devin Levy as a goaltender. So if you have the Buffalo Sabres, who were pretty close to making it last season, you add actual good goaltending. Now, to your to your point, the, the question mark that we have is, okay, well, come February, is Devin Levy still going to be at, at the top of his game? But my counter to that is if Uko Pekalukinen once again is struggling, they will trade for a second goalie. I don't know who it's I going to be. That. I don't know what's, I, I, you know, from now until February or January or what have you, there's going to be a lot of moving parts, so we don't know that, you know, we can't see that far in advance. But I would have to imagine that with the with the team that's as currently constructed, they have a really good offensive core. I like a lot of their decor. Devin Levy is, is a solid goaltender, but if he needs more help, if he needs an extra day off, if he needs just a little bit more time to kind of, catches breath for the next game for the for the home stretch here into the playoffs and Pekka Lukanen just isn't getting it done they will trade for a second for a second goaltender and I think they make the playoffs I think they will and Boston based off of everything that's happened to them this offseason is the team that's out the thing Buffalo also has working for them is they have a decent amount of tax caps flexibility where they can afford to take on some serious salary because they're not particularly, they're not really paying anyone other than Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner's the only one who's making a decent amount of money. Kyle Pozo makes a decent amount of money, but they have room to add. If, if everything lines up for them, like to your point, the division isn't as good as it was last year, they'll have a good chance to get in. You just got to hope Tage is the real thing because th there's a real world in which he comes back to earth and he's 30 instead of 45 goals, and you got to find another 15, 20 goals somewhere else in your lineup. They didn't add anybody particularly significantly in the offseason. A couple of guys that are decent NHL players, but nobody particularly special. They traded for Jordan Greenway in season, who was okay once he got there. But th their top six is solid. They've got two really good defensemen, and they've got a goalie prospect who, by all accounts, based on his college track record, should be really good. I mean, this is somebody who had a 950 save percentage in college two years ago and a 930-something in college. So even if he's only 915 in the NHL, that's outstanding. My counterpoint to Tage potentially not scoring four to five goals again is that because Devin Levy is an actual goaltender and he's good at his job, he won't need to. He won't need to. That's because the Sabres won't need to score nine goals to win a game. Like they can actually have a dependable goalie in there and Tage won't have to score, you know, seven seven times a game for them to at least try to for them to at least get close to games. Like that's I feel like those two things kind of cancel each other out. Like, yeah, Tage might not score forty five goals. He might not need to. They brought in Eric Johnson, who is... I forgot Eric Johnson was still in the NHL. You know, he's been around for a little while. Tyson Jost, who, you know, solid bottom six guy. Uh, two former Rangers, Dustin Tukarski and Justin Richards, guys who, again, I forgot were alive. And they should be a playoff team. If everything lines up for them, I think they're definitely... They're, they'll definitely be in the mix no matter what. It's just a matter of how the teams in front of them perform, I think. I think I mean I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but my take nonetheless is they make it and Boston does not. You gotta save your takes for as the episode goes along, because now you've dis you've disincentivized people from continuing. Uh, to listen, listen, well, well, here's the thing: like if they make the playoffs, Nick, someone's gotta get out. Someone's gotta do it. I mean, I could I could I could really use my my radio expertise and be like, oh, who's who's the odd team out? Oh, stick around, and we'll we'll tell you. But you know, there's we we don't have any breaks, so I gotta I gotta lay it out as we go. 
Next up on our list, the Florida Panthers who went to the Stanley Cup final who now resemble a mash unit. Uh, three of like their five best players are probably not going to start the season on time in Kachuk, Ekblad, and Brandon Montour. Uh, they are the textbook example of a ceiling versus floor team. They did not play particularly well in the regular season. 42, 32, and 8, you know, that's 42 and 40 in a normal sport. 92 standings points. They just snuck in last year as the last team. Their over-under total of this year is 97.5. They upset the best regular season team in the history of the NHL, the Bruins, last year. Uh, they pulled it out of their ass more than once in the playoffs last year. Lots of overtime wins. Lots of our best players are better than your best players, and our best players are going to make plays in those key moments. You know, Kachuk had something like four overtime game-winning goals in a playoff run where there was just not a lot of talent. I mean, this is a team that was playing Mark Stahl and Eric Stahl last year in the Stanley Cup final and somehow was competitive. Just a testament to how good their players are. Weird offseason. Uh, Oliver ekman Larson, Mike Riley, Dmitry Kulikov, Nico Mikola, Stephen Lorenz, Adam Stolarz. Uh, they know they're going to be really dinged up to start the year and they went for volume on the back end as opposed to trying to get a quality guy to fill in that gap. Uh, it's a matter of when their hurt guys come back. That's really what it is for me. If they are long-term injuries, where, or even if they come back too soon and you're playing at a depreciated value, you think about all the injuries Aaron Ekblad's had over the years where he just has not been able to stay healthy like at any point, but when he's been healthy, he's been really good. This is a really good team, but I worry about Paul Maurice year two. Uh, we were both very skeptical of that hire, and he got a lot of credit for uh, Bob being good in the playoffs, which, again, we always joke about this, but you find a good coach, you'll find a better goalie. That's typically how this goes. I doubt Bob can do the 9-15, 9-20 playoff goalie thing again. You hope Spencer Knight isn't, you know, uh, a bust because – He's yet to really kind of hit at the NHL level, and he's dealt with some stuff outside of hockey that that's kind of been a challenge for him. So you hope this team stays good because, frankly, they were very fun to watch last year. But I think there's a good chance Florida misses because the injuries, when guys come back, and what state they are, what state the team is in, and what state the guys who were injured are when they come back all kind of compounding together. I like the Evan Rodriguez signing by them as That's well. I, 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 I always liked his game no matter where he went, whether it be Buffalo or Pittsburgh or Colorado, oh, wherever God. he was. I really like the way he plays the game. This is, I, I agree with what you're saying. It very much hinges on when their best players get back and how they play leading up to that. Like Bobrovsky just needs to hang on for dear life because he will be playing every single night. Like at, they they have to win every game. Like Anthony Stolarz, I don't have a lot of faith in you know getting eight, nine, ten wins before their their top guys come back. It really hinges on Bobrovsky and whether or not he can kind of just wait it all out until they until they come back and hopefully they come back healthy instead of being forced to come play at 85, 90% and you know playing through injuries and then they get to the playoffs and then they flail out because their top guys shocker are injured and they can't you know they 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 can't go at 100%. Like this is a team that on paper strange decisions I mean yeah when you don't play Mark when you get rid of Mark Stahl and Eric Stahl automatically addition by subtraction Oliver ekman Larson was a, just a trash can in Vancouver. Just a trash can. So maybe he performs better in Florida. Like, that's kind of what they're banking on. So I, I, for Florida's sake, I hope they're right. I hope they're 
you know, they're they're bet on a guy who was not very good in Vancouver and was kind of, and by all accounts was very surprised to be bought out by Vancouver despite him playing like a trash can, which you you would think that if you played that poorly, you maybe would have some kind of inkling that hey, this team it's not a good fit anymore, and yet he was taken aback by it. So Miko Mikola is okay. Kulikov is okay. I mean, he's this is his what his 18th return to Florida. Like my man's always finds a way back to Florida. Mike Riley's fine. They're go. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but it just very much hinges on when their big guys come back. Because if it if they if they you know if they hit a snag, especially in their injury return and they can only come back like christmas or early january that's a massive issue but if they if they could come back by like thanksgiving they're it there's a talented team here they have room to pop off which is what was which is what worked for them in the playoffs last year you know we we talked about that in regards to ottawa to montreal to florida as well where they have room for their they really had a high upside and Bob came out of nowhere last year. He was a 9-1 goalie in the regular season, and he played at 9-15, 9-20 in the postseason. That's really, you know, that you don't expect things like that to happen, and he was a driving force for them in the playoffs last year. He showed the ability to be a really good goalie in flashes now, and it's just a matter of can you find that guy consistently? And the answer for most of his tenure in Florida has been no. He was really good for those, like, four weeks in the playoffs but like and then the cup final came and yeah can we just see that more consistently from a guy that makes 10 million dollars a year that's all florida's asking like we we know like you know if you're if you're the panthers management like we know how good you can be can we see it more consistently i feel like that's their biggest gripe with him like they he's game to game week to week you kind of don't know what kind of which side of Bob you're going to see. Either you get the the guy who literally him and Kachuk single-handedly carried the Panthers to a final spot or you're going to see the guy who got the 901 save percentage like he's barely keeping his head above water. You you don't know which Bob you're going to see. It's a very Jekyll and Hyde kind of player. They need him to be more consistent. Yeah. For the first time since 2019, the Tampa Bay Lightning did not make the Stanley Cup final last year. They were a really, really reserved team in the regular season. They did not go balls to the walls trying to play particularly well or consistent in the regular season. They just wanted to get in. They fell in six to the Leafs in the first round last year. Uh, they're a solid team. Their over-under total is exactly the same as the Bruins, which is 100.5 standings points. I think there's a good chance Tampa Bay goes under that number. The Tampa Bay Lightning are why the salary cap exists. It took a while for the salary cap to catch up with the Lightning. But this team, man, you look at their their 12 forwards, they have really lost a lot of talent over the last couple of years. Like, as good as Point, Stamkos, Kucherov, and Sorelli are, we're talking about a team that's projected to have Hagel and Connor Sheary in the top six, Nick Pohl and Tanner Janot on the third line. And then on that back end, man, Hedman and Sergachev holding on for dear life because Calvin DeHaan is effectively a replacement-level defenseman. Chernak is fine. Bogosian is fine. But there just isn't a lot of room for this Lightning team to kind of go crazy unless... You can really, unless they are able to do with Janot what they did with Hagel, 
I don't really see a path. Or same thing with Nick Paul. If they can get Nick Paul a tier better, okay, then maybe we can talk about this. But you, you've lost Palat. You've lost um, Kalorn. You've lost Goudreau. You've lost Gord. You've lost Blake Coleman. You've lost Ross Colton. You've lost Ryan McDonough. You have had to make a lot of tough decisions over the last couple seasons to try and keep this window open. And Tampa Bay can very easily make the playoffs. But I think their window as a cup contender has passed. I agree. I I like the Tyler Mott signing, former Rangers yes. legend. He might be. I mean, if the Lightning, like if if Vasilevsky gets injured, as an example, and they become sellers at the deadline because like they need to recoup some assets for next season, Tyler Mott might be a Ranger again for the third time. I don't know. We'll see. But like. This is a team that will be carried by Vasilevsky and Stamkos, Point, and Kucherov. Yep. That's kind of it. Like, I really don't enjoy the rest of their team. Yeah, I mean, of course, Hedman is still there, and Sergeyev is still there, and they're, they're going to be good on the back end. But, like, this is a team that is way less scary than they were a couple of seasons ago. Because of the salary cap, they, like you said, lost a, t lost a huge chunk of what really made them scary because it's one thing to have a lot of top end guys it's another thing to have all four lines be dangerous to play against and right now if you look at tampa's roster me the first line obviously is still very dangerous the second line connor sherry is projected to play top six minutes for the lightning connor sherry like they don't have a lot of depth at forward, they really don't, and it's showing pretty drastically. Luke Landenning, the the sign that they got, you know, that they signed at the uh, free agency, wins faceoffs, and that is it. Like yeah. he doesn't provide any kind of offense, so it's up to Tyler Mott, I guess, to score 35, 40 points for them on the fourth line because he might. Glendening's not going to do it, so somebody has to. Tanner Janot, they traded five picks to get, and he is effectively a fourth line player. So I don't. He's gonna. He's essentially the Barclay Goudreau of of the Lightning currently. Of this is a guy who can be an effective fourth liner, but is out of his depth at the in the in the third line spot, and he is supposedly gonna play that. And I don't. I just they're gonna make the playoffs, but I just don't see how they make any sort of damage again. And it's very. It's gonna be very interesting to see what Tampa Bay does after this season because like they're in the sort of transition of hey the window is i guess still open because you still have vasilevsky and Hedman and samkos and those guys but the rest of the team looks pretty barren in comparison to what they used to look like so i want to know what the what the projection of the lightning is two three seasons down the line because this is a team that, yeah, I mean, they, they probably won't make the playoffs. I'm not, but I'm not afraid to play them come playoff no. time. No, the, the window is kind of closed. Like, frankly, you could have argued it was closed last year, but they gave you one last gasp. They gave Toronto a decent series, but they're physically spent. Vasilevsky is still one of the five, six best goalies in the world. Can he get back to what he was two, three years ago? He's got a lot of miles, man. He's still really good. But is he going to be able to steal two playoff series the way he did a couple years ago? Probably not at his age. Goalies, typically, the elite ones usually age pretty well. But you can only ask so much of a guy. He's good. But for this group to be where I think Tampa thinks they are, he's going to have to be the best goalie or second best goalie in the league. And I just don't think that's 
feasible at the point he's at in his career. He can still be the sixth best goalie in the league, but the difference between the second and sixth best goalie, that's a really big difference. They they need Vasilevsky to be the Vesna goalie that that he was a couple of seasons ago and like uh, it it's really it's a it's a big ask to ask a goaltender to do that for like 60 games in the regular season plus you know 20 30 whatever whatever how many of our games it is you know come playoff time it's like at a at a certain point everybody else has to step in and perform what you can't you can't have Vasilevsky you know with a 960 with a 968 percentage every night like as you you have to play well around him too and the top line can do that and the top two defensive the, the top defensive parent can do that but everybody else needs to too and that is where the lightning are going to run into issues you need multiple paths to victory that i think is something that tampa when they were at their best when they were winning the stanley cups was was true of them in multiple respects they could win in a rock fight against the islanders they could outscore the Panthers. They were versatile. They could win in a bunch of different ways. They could get scoring from anywhere. I, that third line is one of the best playoff third lines of recent memory, really. It's the Coleman Gaudreau Gord line and the um, Haglund Benito Kessel line. Those are the two best third lines of probably like the last 10 years or so. And there's a reason that it's really hard to maintain teams of that caliber and why the salary cap exists, frankly, is to squeeze teams like Tampa. Because if there weren't, they probably still have a lot of the guys they've had to get rid of over the last couple of years. But the NHL salary cap does occasionally work. I know the Lightning got around it more than once, but occasionally it does have its desired effect. They'll be there. But they, they'll be there for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, if they get in, they're, yeah. they're going to have a tough tough go of it. Uh, next up, Boston Bruins, who I said exact same over under total, 100 and a half. Uh, best regular season team ever last year in the 82-game format that we went to, 135 standings points. They were dominant in every single phase of the game. The only real major changes from the year prior, David Krejci came back from playing over in, Czech, in the Czech Republic to be the second-line center, pushed Charlie Coyle down in the lineup. Uh they got great goaltending from both of their guys. Olmark and Swayman were both outstanding, both in the top 10 of goals saved above expected, both 925, 930 goaltenders. Uh, they ran into Murphy's Law. Anything that could go wrong for them in that series against Florida did. I remember talking about that series and saying the only way the Panthers win this is if the Bruins absolutely blow it. And you can't say a series where there were three one-goal games, you blew it, you didn't get any bounces. Uh, hockey's a dumb sport. We, we, this happens. We saw Tampa Bay do this four years ago where they were the best regular season ever to that point. And Bob said, no, you're not. And Bob, whenever Bob needs to beat the best team of all time, he can do it. <laughs> but ask him to beat the Senators on a weeknight in February and he's not going to be able to do it. The Bruins brought in a lot of bodies. Uh, they did the nostalgia play, so they'll sell some Lucic jerseys, which will make a lot of older people happy. JVR is still a solid hockey player. He, he'll he be fine for them. They brought in Shattenkirk to be some depth defense, and they'll be fine. But, man, you lose one of the 10, 15 best centers in the entire league in Bergeron. You lose one of the best second-line centers in Krejci. You're looking at, what, Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka down the middle? The drop-off there down the middle is immense. And Pasta's still great. Marshawn's still great. McAvoy and Lindholm will both be top-10 Norris guys. 
but you lose two centers and two great ones at that, and really quickly you start worrying, well, I think Buffalo is probably better than them talent-wise. I think there's a real argument that Tampa Bay and Florida might be better than the Bruins talent-wise. I think this number, 105, I think this is really high in all honesty. I agree. They, I, I would be hammering the under on this on the Boston Bruins team right now. When you lose Bergeron and Krejci and you don't replace them with anything remotely close, it is a massive, massive drop-off. And it's it's impossible to replace Patrice Bergeron because of just how good of a two-way player he was. We, we made our top 20 list a few weeks ago, and I would have included him again in my top yeah. 20 had he not retired. Like That's how good Patrice Bergeron was last season. And you lose that kind of player, you don't replace in any shape or form, and then you also lose the second best center on the team in, in David Krejci, and you don't really replace him either. Like, yeah, you bring in Morgan Geeky and Jesper Boquist and all these guys, but like none of them sniff David Krejci's talent. None of them sniff how much he meant to the team and the organization and all these things. So, yeah, JBR is a fine player, and he's going to contribute some points and all that. And Pasternak is still great. Marshan's still great. Jake DeBrusque has really been playing well for them. He was and great last year. He was a 30-goal guy. Yeah, last yeah. Year. He was, yeah, he was, he was really he ever since like that trade request a few years ago, my man's has been on fire in Boston. Like he's been a revelation for them. McAvoy is still great. Lindholm is still great. But overall, this team is not going is I mean, it's tough to replicate when you're the best team of all time in the regular season to replicate that kind of success so by default they're going to fall back down to earth but when you lose the two of the best players on your team and you do nothing to to fix that gaping hole and on top of that not only do you lose those two guys you lose essentially everybody that you traded for at the deadline last season you hathaway left orlov left like these are guys that meant a lot to the team in you know in big situations down the stretch you lose all of that, and you replace everybody with Kevin Shattenkirk and Milan Lucic. Okay, we'll see how that goes. Like I, it, I guess is you know my hot take is is that just Tampa makes it, uh, Buffalo makes it, Toronto makes it, Florida probably makes it, Boston does not. The one path I will say to the Bruins making the playoffs next year in my mind is they go all in on defense and goaltending because they still have a good six defenseman group. Yeah. Like if your worst defenseman is Kevin Shattenkirk and he's your sixth guy, that's solid. Derek Forbert is a pretty good defensive defenseman, good penalty killer. Grizzlick and Carlo are solid NHLers. It's just a matter of Brandon Carlo can stay healthy. Whenever he's healthy, he's fine. But he's been concussed three or four times in the last two years, and you really worry about the long-term, you know, after-hockey impacts of that, and just what kind of state your team is going to be in. Uh, there's a world where they're good because they can do defense, and both of their goalies have shown the ability to be high-level. But that really caps your ceiling when you are a defense and goaltending team. Because when you get into the playoffs, you cannot win game 0-0. The Rangers have tried a lot to win playoff game 0-0 over the years. It's not doable. No matter how good your goalies are, eventually you need to be able to score. And we've seen the Bruins do this, where they've had really good regular seasons. They get to the playoffs, and because all their scoring is concentrated to two or three guys, they've really run into issues against deeper teams, whether it be the Capitals a couple of years ago, the Islanders a couple of years ago, and you just don't 
have the depth requisite to make deep playoff runs, and this team just isn't nearly as deep. And they had to salary dump Taylor Hall, who's a solid NHLer still, who can flirt with 25, 30 goals, and they just had to give him away to the Blackhawks to make the money work to fill out the rest of this team. Their top guys are still the top guys. They're, they're still going to be great at hockey. The rest of the team is a far cry from what they were, and you're not they're not only going to fall down to earth because it's not it's impossible to replicate the best season of all time but they i think they're going to be in for rude awakening just because of how much they've lost since last season and they're you know they're not going to be bad enough that you know they're going to be sellers i i don't think but i i just the only way i see them making the playoffs is if florida really you know if they if florida's top guys miss a lot more time than than expected than expected if Devin Levy can only play like 40 games before he starts to get, just get exhausted there's like there's paths but I I wouldn't be putting a lot of money on the Bruins as currently constructed to make the playoffs in 2024 Last but not least, the Toronto Maple Leafs, 50, 21, and 11 last year, 111 standings points over under total this year, 104.5. Finally broke through last year. They won a playoff series for the first time since 2004 and immediately hit a wall in that series against Florida where Florida just kind of bullied them and out physical them and really took, really made the Leafs reassess their entire organization. Like they won a playoff series and they fired the GM and for a minute there, it seemed like they might have fired the coach as well, but Sheldon Keefe survived. Uh, Brad Tree Living's in charge. They brought in a lot of guys. They brought in John Klinberg, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, Ryan Reeves. They extended Ilya Samsonov, so they're going into the year with the tandem of Samsonov and Wall. Matt Murray may or may not be alive. We don't know about that. They're an interesting team. Uh, the Reeves signing is just... Stupid. Awful. It's yeah. just stupid. There's no other way around it. it. They already had Wayne Simmons doing that job, but they can't send Ryan Reeves to the AHL for whatever reason. I forget. I was reading about this where, you know, Wayne Simmons said, if you claim me, I'm just going to retire whenever the lease would pass him back and forth. But Reeves, whatever reason, sure. Domi's interesting. Bertuzzi's Three years, by the way. Yeah, that's that's dumb Three well. years, $1.35 million to do what? To, to look angry on the bench yes. and skate for six minutes of ice time a game, that's who you're paying $1.35 million to? Like, if every, like, we talked about this before, you know, multiple times, where, like, if you really like Ryan Reeves, just make him an assistant coach, man. If everybody in the locker room loves this guy to death and, like, he's the, he's the absolute glue to a team, just make him an assistant coach or make him head of player development or make him like so, just make up a title for him and just pay him some money to hang around the hang, hang, hang around the guys you don't have to pay him 1.35 times three years when he yeah. cannot play hockey he just can't do it he can't skate he just he looks mean on the bench he cracks jokes and that's that's it which i guess is important but again like if he can't play then just put him on the bench make him wear a suit and just have him be there yeah man it, it, it's silly uh, there's a really good team up front. The defense this year, you have issues because Jake Muzzin's probably not playing hockey ever again because of that back injury he suffered. Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake McCabe, John Klinberg, 41-year-old Mark Giordano, and Timothy Lilligren. 
none of those guys really inspires confidence in terms of defense. Uh, they're decent at moving the puck and generating offense, but none of those guys are particularly effective defensively. And the goaltending, I mean, Samsonov, Wall, Matt Murray, they get by in the regular season with that because they're so good. They don't ask their def- goalies to do a lot. But in the playoffs, we have seen this be an issue for them over and over again. And neither Samsonov, Wall, or Murray is going to be able to start 50 to 60 games. So you're going to be in a real, a true A-B tandem type situation here. And you just don't know who's going to hold up. This is, a, this is another team that will make the playoffs. But as currently constructed, if you're New Jersey, for example, are you scared of this team come playoff time? Like... You know that Austin Matthews is going to get his, Mitch Marner is going to get his, and Nylander is going to get his. John Tavares, we saw last season how ridiculously exposed he got come playoff time. He's not fast enough. He is not, yeah, he's not fast enough. He's got great vision. He's got great puck handling abilities. He can can still, you know, he can essentially assist at will. And score it will if he if he's in the right spot. But at this stage of his career, he's not beating anybody to a foot race. Which, when you're making that kind of money and you have that kind of expectation on you, is a big problem. If you're making top top dollars in this league, you are expected to be creating your own offense. But when you're not fast enough, you cannot create your offense because the other team is going to beat you to the puck. So that is a big, big issue when you when you look at their roster. Is Max Domi, who is slated to be the second-line player with, with Tavares and Nylander, is he going to be the speedster that's going to feed John Tavares the puck? I kind of don't think so. So, like, they're, they're going to do some damage. I just don't know where their ceiling is because I don't think it's high. They're yeah. like they're going to make the playoffs. Matthews is going to have to score seventy goals. Like you know, the, these are they have a good amount of talent on this team. Their blue line is is scary from the from the from the perspective of like, I would not want to be a goalie on this team, <laughs> ever. That's a that's a scary proposition. If I was an NHL goaltender, I had the. I had the proposition. I, if my agent called me and said, "Hey, the Maple Leafs really need a goalie this year. Would you wanna? Would you wanna go and sign with them?" I would be terrified, terrified, because like the, their their blue line isn't going to make me look better. And it it it's, ah, this is such a such a strange team. Again, the Ryan Reeves signing. I, what do you? What is happening? Like I, that doesn't make any sense to me. He just can't play hockey they gave anymore. Kampf that weird extension. David, gave- yeah, David, David Kampf got this like essentially a lifetime contract because he's, I, because he's a guy. I, I don't. He's fine, but like he he got signed to a massive contract for no reason. Like that was very strange to me. This is just a team that like Brad Trail Living is is here and he's he's here to do things. He the, wanted to put the, his stamp on the team. The he, issue is, is that I, no one really knows what he's doing. <laughs> and like, that's kind of the issue. Like, I, I don't understand where they're going with this. And that, that's really my biggest concern with them moving forward. Like, David Comp is making $2.4 million until 2027. To do what exactly? What is he there for that is worth that kind of contract? I don't know the answer to that. I guess Trey Living does, but it's a, it's a team that, like again, they'll make it, 
but are they going to make it far with this team? I don't think so. I'll add two things to that. Number one, it kind of feels like last year was supposed to be the year for them if they were going to make a play because they were so good in the regular season and the ads they had at the deadline. They worked out really well. Like, they added McCabe, who was really solid for them. What else they was Dubas supposed to do, by the way, last year? I think there was a better argument for firing Keith than firing Dubas. I, 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 I think that what Dubas said rubbed Shanahan the wrong way. And I think old people, old hockey people in particular, get rubbed the wrong way by people who think about like themselves and their family before they think about work. Where Dubas is like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And to someone like Shanahan, who would like, you know, cut his arm off to win a Stanley Cup, is like, what do you mean you don't know if you want to do this? This is the Toronto Maple Leafs. You don't want to, you're not sure you want to do this anymore. And that rubbed him the wrong way. And that type of stuff matters to the older heads. Whereas people our age and in our age bracket, like Dubas is only like 10 years older than us. Think about things other than Crazy the work. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, no, Dubas is like 38 years old, which is what's ridiculous. Uh, I think the Leafs are a playoff team. I think last year was probably their best crack at it with this group. They gave Matthews the extension. It seems like Nylander's going to end up staying, probably, but the Leafs are really going to be dependent on the cap taking a big leap for that to happen, frankly. They are essentially hoping on, like, they're living on a prayer, I guess, shout out to Bon Jovi. Like, they, like this is a team that really needs the cap to make a significant jump in order to keep their big players. They really need the cap to go up $10, $15 million to keep Nylander here long-term. Because, like, if they don't, okay, well, if the cap goes up, like, 4 or $5 million, they have to get rid of somebody That's to make money. other decisions on this roster. They ha- they're going to have to cut corners. They're going to have to do what Tampa's already doing right now. Yeah. They, they, the, the thing about Toronto is that they are going to have to be Tampa Bay without the success. Yeah. I like to think Toronto probably makes it. I think they can probably win a round or maybe two if everything gels for them, but I don't think they're a cup team. I, I don't yeah. see it. with The depth is not great. Maybe Matthew Nyes is something, and that's something we're not accounting for. Maybe he's a 15-20 goal guy, but you get down. Those third and fourth lines are pretty gross other than Matthew Nyes. Like, Yarncroft's a solid NHLer, but he's not worth the money they're paying him either. No, it these they are. It's weird because they should have more money than they and they currently do. Yes. Why did you? Why are you paying Cal Yarncroke that money? Why are you paying David Kampf that money? Why are you paying Ryan Reeves that money? There are there were ways around their current issue. Now again, like these guys aren't making a trillion dollars a year, so you're, but you're all not, together, you're not cutting a ton of space. But when you're the Maple Leafs, every single dollar matters. And instead of, you know, adding that money and maybe acquiring one more player to really round out this roster a little bit better, they gave some bloated contracts away, and that's really hampering their ability to to make a scarier team. Okay, let's rattle it off real quick. How many playoff teams? Buffalo, Tampa, Toronto, question mark on Florida. Like, it's weird, but I'm going to say three and a half. Because with Florida, like, I, I don't... I need to see where they are come like Injuries. C- yeah. come Thanksgiving. It's very important to know where they are because like, as we know, the, the teams that are in playoff position come Thanksgiving are very are overwhelmingly are the ones that it's actually like make it. In. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like 
I need to see where they are because like if they're if their top guys are still like six weeks away, four weeks away, probably not. But if they're like either already on the team or are very close, then they probably will make it. I it's just it's tough to say right now. And I with think- Ottawa <sighs> I with Ottawa, I kind of don't want to touch with the ten football because we have no idea. Uh, I'm going to say three. I I think we get Toronto. I think we get Tampa, and I think it's either Buffalo or Florida, not both. Um, which of these teams has the best chance of being on? Which of these teams has the best chance of winning the Stanley Cup this upcoming season? It has to be Toronto, but you don't feel good about that. You would probably take three or four teams in the Metro alone before you would take Toronto. Is it weird if my gut check says Buffalo? <laughs> That's preposterous. I like. I just I don't have a lot of faith in any of these mm-hmm. teams, really, because it, it very they all have just these strange caveats that don't give me a whole lot of faith in them winning the cup. Toronto, mm. if Matthew scores like 20 goals in the playoffs, sure. But other than that, this team is very top heavy and I don't like their goaltending and it's a very like that they don't I, they don't scare me as much as they used to. Tampa Bay, as we talked about, bless you, are gutted to the core. Florida is a very like they're either very good or very miserable and there's no in between with them. Buffalo's an up and coming team. Boston's probably not going to make the playoffs. At least I think so. And if they do, they're probably not going to win a whole lot doing it. Ottawa, who knows what's going to happen with them. Detroit's not making it and Montreal's not making it. So like I, 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 I'm not confident in liking any of them really. What about you though? Uh, I think it has to be Toronto by default because I think Tampa's just shot at this point. They've played too many games. Florida isn't deep enough, and Buffalo doesn't have any experience. And even if they get to, like, the two seed in this division, I don't know if Devin Levy can go from playing 35 games at Northeastern last year to 55, 60 games that would take them to go to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, the caveat is they have a lot of cap space. Yes. So if they really – if they get to a hot start – and like if they if they really play well, maybe Christmas or early yeah. January, they might use a lot of that cap space to get maybe a backup goaltender with experience that can kind of lessen the load. Maybe they get another forward or maybe a top four defenseman to really round out that team. And all of a sudden, their their you know their window is opening right before our eyes. I don't. There's no. Like I mean, Kyle like Pose has been around the block for a while, but there's there's not a whole lot of playoff experience on this team. So, but maybe. The Devils kind of used that to their advantage last season. Now, again, the Rangers were miserable, so the Devils, like, they, they looked bad for the first two games, and then out of no, the Rangers, Rangers were like, we'll just stop playing hockey. All good. You can have this series. And the Devils came in and, and took it, but, like, they didn't have any experience either, and they skated circles around the Rangers for games three to seven, essentially. Like, that... So maybe, maybe not having experience in the playoffs isn't the worst possible thing for a team like Buffalo because they've been on the cusp for a while. This is a team that's so hungry to get there that maybe if they just get there, they, they make some magic happen. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Again, there's a lot of ifs, ifs, yeah. then ifs, then that's with the Buffalo Sabres. But I like, I guess it's preposterous to say, but the, uh, like the avenue for them to potentially make it far, I think is, is stronger than some of these other teams. That's fair. All right. 
that'll do it for this week's episode of the Liberty Blue Podcast. We will be back next week. We will knock out the Metro Division and then the Rangers specific preview will be the following week. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all the major podcasting platforms, YouTube as well. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, I guess go Jets. I don't particularly care. I'll watch the game later, though. I just want chaos, baby. I want all the chaos all the time. Let's do it. Later. Later.